0: this podcast is part of the
1: red five network for more red five network podcasts visit red five network.com
2: hey scuttle buddies row here i just want to say a heartfelt thank you to our patrons wonderful folks ...who have found it in their hearts to support what we do. We're lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89 Joey Rosales, the Salty Crew at Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of all pods on the Red 5 Network, Nicholas Schaefer, big thanks, Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, and Jay from Florida. If you want to be even more involved in the of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to Patreon.com slash Scuttlebutt. And until next time, remember, it's always sunny on Scarif, with patrons like you. of course we got to play that little ditty uh greetings to everyone how wow we got some uh we got a special guest today uh tonight on our very wonderful scare live Brad. how's it going brother and and rob's here too
1: that's amazing
2: that's
0: Uh, amazing you said special
1: (laughs) i'm doing great uh yeah we got rob from the jta here rob how are you doing
0: i'm doing awesome always happy to be on to talk a little mandalorian with a uh, couple of you know light casual star wars fans
1: <laughs> casual i'm that just sitting here cool. wondering uh what do i want to invest in beskar adamantium or vibranium i don't know which one which, which is the way to go
2: plexiglass
0: drink COVID, i would say
2: yeah plexiglass <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> there you go there you go god uh rob i love your podcast you talk about collecting and all that wonderful stuff it's just, it's just great yeah
0: <laughs> i i appreciate that i always get that question are you the uh, are you the jedi temple archives uh that does all the collecting stuff i'm like no but i know they're really popular i was
2: cracking up during scarfcon 2020 over at the comic book Ooh. store when that guy came up to you and said that and i was like dying laughing hello everybody in the chat mr raz backyard tardis Dave, Amanda, thank you very much for joining us, YetiCast. You guys have got to check out YetiCast YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of fun stuff, a little uh, snark, but some really great humor. So check it out. Good evening, everybody. So here we are in another edition, a live edition of Scare of Scuttlebutt Podcast. We're talking about Mandalorian. And uh, Brad, I've had... I've had a couple of sips of my blue moon already, so I can't keep this uh, chapter thing straight. So uh, can you take over for me, brother?
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. So we're talking about Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Uh, we knew it was going to be awesome from the get-go with the name Tragedy. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, on Twitter, I saw the uh, the runtime, a little over 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, crap, here we go, another, an actual side quest, uh, there, you know, uh, a, a down moment uh, a lull before the last couple episodes and uh, within what uh, one minute uh, maybe 30 seconds uh, I was uh, completely proved wrong on that one uh, it was uh, there there was no fat on this one this one was lean and uh, you know exciting the entire time
2: absolutely and I totally forgot that uh, one of my favorite directors, uh, Robert Rodriguez directed this episode, and uh, as you, uh, everybody in the chat knows, you know he is very uh, fond of uh, zombies, mariachis, and titty twisters. So uh, a, a real a real treat for me. What about uh, what about you, Rob?
0: Well, you know I'm a big fan of the titty twister. Uh, hard to do when they're wearing Beskar, So. Uh, he had a challenge in front of them, but I, you know, I was completely surprised in this episode. I like Brad thought it was going to be another kind of side quest. I knew they were going to probably finish with two really strong episodes and for them to get to Tython, which at no point in star Wars history, did I ever picture that looking so much like Southern California, but, uh, you know, for them to dive right into, to Tython and and waste no time in this episode, I don't mind the shorter episodes when they keep it super tight. Uh, and it's really all story driven and action driven. And that is what we got with this particular episode. You know, I want to
2: address something real fast that you said regarding the Southern California landscape. And one of the things that I really enjoyed, uh, of this episode is that they actually went outside. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the, the advent of the volume is great. I don't think it'll replace, you know, actually going out on location. I think it's something that, that looks great on camera, uh, whether, you know, it's okay. It's familiar people in California. I'm like, Hey, that's my backyard, but still, it's still really cool to see, you know, live action done in live action in opposed to a studio. I, I, I think it's, I think it's great. Brad, what'd you think of that?
1: I, I thought it looked really nice. Uh, somebody called it, uh, thought it looked like a fan film on um, on Twitter. I, I disagree with it. I thought it looked really nice, really natural. Uh, but, Ro, did you think they were actually going to be on Tython uh, on this episode?
2: No, like you. Um, well, first of all, that is a great compliment to fan films, and I've seen a lot of fan films, so yeah. kudos to that comment. But still, um, again, I thought – I thought like you, I, I looked at the time, the running time, 33 minutes and so and such. And I thought it was going to be like maybe another side quest. Something's going to happen. But uh, yeah, they, they went to Ty, thi- 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 oh, say it again. Tython fight. Thy- yeah. Maybe next time I'll just drink juice
0: <laughs> with some genuine. They went, so they went to Tython. Ju-
2: and, uh, they, yeah, they, they got there right away. I loved, you know, that little sequence at the beginning where uh, Mando was calling Grogu and he's like cracking up. Cause now we know his name and I feel like he was, he was the every fan. I think, um, I think he was doing it, uh, just as if we were sitting next to Grogu, you know, talking to him, doing the same thing, you know, Hey Grogu. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just hilarious. I thought it was great, but no, they went, uh, they went there, they continued that story right away, and uh, I wanted to ask you guys, um, before we start, the name of the title uh, was The Tragedy. What did you guys think that was referring to, Brad? Uh, a very small part, thought it was somehow related to Din
1: Djarin, but uh, I, I was pretty sure, uh, knowing that they had that uh, tracking beacon on them um, and how important, uh, you know, how much Moff Gideon wants... Uh, The child, I I was fairly certain it would be somehow uh, in some way related to
2: the child. And Rob, what do you think?
0: I was almost 90% convinced it was going to be related to the child. I figured that Gideon, as soon as they brought Tython into the equation, uh, I think in order for them to really have a huge closing couple of episodes, that it was likely that he was going to end up with the child in his possession by the end of this episode. So, you know, I really didn't think it was going to be anything beyond that. It was really on multiple levels. Uh, And interestingly enough, you know, I I was not expecting the arrival of Boba Fett, uh, certainly not Fennec Shond. And the fact that they, you know, now have this debt to the Mandalorian until the child is safe is uh, is an interesting twist that I was really not anticipating. If they do what they did in season one, where you know maybe the next episode is him gathering his forces together, the fact that you could have Boba Fett, Fenix, uh, you know, Ahsoka, bo and and the Night Owls—I mean, that could be a pretty impressive final episode.
1: And Avengers don't Assemble. To- yeah, don't forget uh, Mayfeld. We will sure. get oh, a little yeah. Coo- yeah, a little comedic relief in there right. as well. So Ro did row did you crap your pants uh when uh you turned on his infrared and then slave one zoomed in on screen?
2: Yeah, I watched that uh the my third time I watched it with my son. When he saw that, I mean again, you know, you, you watch it with your with your kids and you watch it through their eyes, and it's it's uh it's like you're watching it again for the first time, but he saw the slave one and he just looked at me, He started clapping and yelling and jumping off the couch. It was re- really great. And I, I felt that. One thing that, Rob, that you said regarding um, that title and uh, how it works on different levels, uh, my interpretation was that so Grogu was on the seeing stone and he was uh, communing or trying to commune with the Jedi. And you saw, you know, the life force, you know, going out. I believe that uh, the tragedy refers to the fact that no one is listening. There's no Jedi out there that is uh, that is accepting the call, and I feel that um, you know as much as we want, you know, you know. Obviously, there's been Luke Skywalker talk. There's been uh, Ezra talk. I have a feeling that uh, the tragedy refers to the fact that there's just no one out there. And we get to deal with that reality at this point. and I think uh, I think that's fascinating. I could be wrong again, you know, Brad, if I'm wrong, uh, you can go ahead and plaster that all over social media. I but uh...
0: <laughs> I wouldn't expect it to be Luke Skywalker. I think that that is the name that jumps into a lot of people's heads right off the bat. But I think that, uh, you know, what has been established at this point in Star Wars lore is that, Luke is really out searching the galaxy, trying to collect Jedi artifacts, trying to kind of find his place and find his way toward what he ultimately is going to want to do, which is to establish a Jedi Academy. But that is down the road from where we're at, which is only a handful of years after the end of return of the Jedi. And so I don't really think he is, you know, tuned in to necessarily looking for other Jedi. I think he is right now kind of focused on himself and getting himself to where he needs to be to reestablish that Jedi order or whatever his version of that's going to be. I think Ezra with the fact that they brought Thrawn into the equation in the Ahsoka episode the week prior, uh, is a possibility, but we don't even know necessarily that anyone has found Thrawn and Ezra. Um, so I think it's gonna be really interesting you may be very very much correct that there is no one out there to answer that call although grogu was on that seeing stone for quite some time uh i'm still trying to figure out why Din tried to break that barrier three times that seemed a little bit sadistic of him but or masochistic of him but uh yeah it was uh it was clearly not going to work for him grogu <laughs> Grogu. (sighs) I think you might be
1: overthinking that one, Ro. Uh, I I think it, I think it's plain and simple. I think it was, I mean, I'd say the child getting abducted by four dark troopers. I I think that's tragedy enough. And as someone pointed out in the chat, the beautiful razor crest, uh, all fixed up, ready to go uh, getting obliterated from the skies. Uh, I I think those count as tragedy enough. Uh, I think someone uh, will answer the call. We'll probably get back to it. The, Uh, You know, near the end of the episode, I think somebody will answer the call. And uh, I think that's going to be one of those uh, maybe at the end of uh, like the prediction you made earlier for Ahsoka. I think maybe the Jedi that answers the call uh, will be seen late in uh, the last episode of this season.
2: And we have to remember that uh, it's Dave Filoni we're talking about. So, you know, obviously maybe not Luke, but, uh, you know, there's a strong possibility that, uh, you know, we're going to get Ezra. Or we're going to get at least the continuation of uh, of Rebels and, and how that story plays out. Now, the article in Vanity Fair uh, stated that, uh, you know, Dave Filoni was talking about, you know, he really wasn't telling us like where in the timeline Uh, we see Ahsoka here, so we, it it could be before it could be after. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: I want to address Dale's comment in the chat. Uh, he brings up Mace Windu. Uh, and again, I have long said the, the worst possible way to kill a force user is to throw him down a shaft or out a window. Uh, everyone else we've seen that has been thrown out of or down a window has come back in some way, shape or form. So I think it'd be awesome to bring base window back into the equation. Uh, he would certainly be the Jedi most likely to be able to deal with. Grogu, who is clearly got some dark side tendencies from what we see in the final scene of this episode where he's choking out stormtroopers and dragging them around the room and smashing them together. Um, you know, he he may have had some Jedi training, but he clearly has gone through some dark times and that has impacted him. I've even seen people talking about the fact that uh, you know, part of this may be that he gets turned to the dark side. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes.
1: You know. Th- Sam Jackson has said many times how much he would love to come back to the star Wars universe, but really how old would Mace be by this time? Cause we're talking about uh, nearly, nearly what 30 years, Yeah, uh, almost over 25 years since we last saw uh, Mace and he wasn't exactly young in revenge of the Sith. So he would be old as hell if yeah. he came back. doesn't mean he won't. I mean, and he'll, he'll look the part uh, just fine. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about somebody probably a little bit bitter. Uh, he's probably been killing stormtroopers for the last 25 years that have been after world. after order 66 and being pissed off from what happened, in, uh, you know, in the Senate chambers. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I think it's a long shot though. At this
0: point, he, he definitely have tipped over the edge of his Vahad, uh, lightsaber style into the dark side by this point,
1: there could be no worse teacher like, like for, for the reasons you mentioned. Right. There could be no worse teacher for Grogu at this point Agreed. than Mace Windu. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Take a seat, young Skywalker.
0: Look, I'm very selfish. I'm looking out for my uh, my theory about killing Force users by throwing them down a shaft. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I still like Cal Kestis. We talked about this last episode. Uh, you know, he's talked about uh, I always forget the actor's name, but uh, he's talked about how he'd love to reprise that role mm-hmm. as Cal. Um, he, uh, he stood his own against, uh, inquisitors, uh, and even a, a short little skirmish with Vader. Um, and he still had a, a, positive demeanor at the end of it. So I think we will get to Ezra, but, um, I, I don't think yet, uh, you know, we're, I think what seasons three and four are already booked for this show. I think three's already filming or done filming. Right. So, you know, Filoni's playing the long game on this one. In the meantime, I I would love to see Cal in uh, live action.
0: Can you imagine if they brought BD one into a live action where people actually look right now, there's a video game community that knows of that droid, but talk about a droid that would be a love story with the fan base. Uh, BD one Cal companion droid in that, uh, Jedi fallen order video game series would be blow BB eight right out of the water.
1: And, and, uh, Grogu playing with BD one? Are you kidding me? Like yeah. it, it, sells itself it right there. Um, and I did mention on Twitter, you know, uh, we were talking about who who rescued Grogu from the temple or who took him. You know, I gave my theory about I think it's Palpatine or an Inquisitor um, or somebody somebody else that works for Palpatine. But I mentioned Maz, and uh, I would love to see even more connections. Uh, Maz Kanata is a Force user. So it'd been cool if, it, or it will be cool if we got to see Maz in this and further connections between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. You know, maybe that will actually build up uh, our appreciation for the sequel trilogy if Felony and Favreau can tie those together more.
2: I see them, you know, starting to piece together a lot of stuff, uh, a lot better than the folks that uh, were in charge of the sequel trilogy. Um, I mean, they're bringing in, you know, stuff from the games, stuff from, uh, the prequels, uh, items, uh, you know, lore from, uh, expanded universe material. I mean, come on, it's, it's, uh, it's quite surprising how well, um, and you said it last week, Brad, it's, it's very surprising and really cool how well they're doing it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I say we, you know, we, we gotta,
1: we gotta talk about Boba, uh, how, how good of a job did he do? I mean, like. Ah, uh, Tamara Morrison uh, just absolutely sold that character without the armor. I mean, Boba Fett's always been known for his armor, so I guess the uh, I guess the bounty hunter makes the armor, not not the other way around. Uh, how how about his performance in this show?
2: Amazing, amazing! I uh, posted that video clip that was uh, that I put on Twitter. Um, one of the things that really that I really loved was the music during that sequence when he first came up um again it was just so so intense um i mean it it definitely seemed um you know i, I keep calling this music tribal it's very organic and i think uh, it really fit That fight sequence when we are, I guess, when we are reintroduced to this fan favorite, Boba Fett. And, uh, you know, no better director from a, you know, hand to hand combat type of situation uh, to direct this than Robert Rodriguez. What he did in, in his films was great. And I think he brought in a little innovation in some of these fights uh, between Boba Fett and some of these stormtroopers, which I really, really enjoyed. I mean, punching a stormtrooper in the stomach and then blasting the said stormtrooper with a wrist rocket was pure genius. I mean, those scenes, those,
1: those scenes were brutal. I mean, he mangled the hell out of those stormtroopers. There was, I mean, this this dude is, is hardcore. I, I trolled some folks on social media saying that Boba Fett fans finally had a reason to like the character. Uh, of course, I'm just trolling on that one. I, I mean, I've always loved him, even though he didn't get much screen time. Um, But uh, seeing him and then when he did don the armor and I like that he was, you know, Boba Fett's never been dishonest. He is, uh, he's violent. He's uh, relentless, um, but he's not dishonest. Uh, And he's always had integrity as well, as much as integrity as a bounty hunter can have. At least he told uh, Din Djarin, he was just there for the armor. And so he got it. Um, And then You know, it was on like Donkey Kong once he, once he donned the armor.
0: There's always been, you know, there's always been the assumption that Boba Fett is just a badass. Uh, But this is the first chance we really get to see that in action. Uh, Short of the Star Wars holiday special, obviously, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, We will. and And to really see, like you said, I mean, just how, just how visceral, uh, his fight was with the stormtroopers. And then we finally get to see the knee rockets uh, used yes. on his number, which we'd never seen before, Absolutely. which was just incredible. Yeah. Um, again, I, I take never ending issue with the fact that din refuses to close a door or lock up his ship uh apparently everything on his ship is free game for everyone so doors are always left open uh conveniently i thought it was a little bit of a, a decision to help the story that uh that boba asked for din to take off his jet pack not disarm himself uh with regard to you know calling off fennec shand and i almost think that you know din should have known better uh about the fact that she probably wasn't going to be able to to penetrate that force shield with her rifle anyway um but all that stuff aside i mean it's really nitpicky for this episode i thought that the way that they presented boba uh slave one the whole package um if you weren't a boba fett fan before and you walked away from this episode still feeling that way you may want to get checked
1: And I think Star Wars fans just, Rowan, we, we've talked, we, we think too much. I mean, yeah, we, just just let go and enjoy it. I mean, we, we thought the same thing. Um, you know, if he couldn't physically get through that barrier, um, I actually, she hadn't seen that yet, but, you know, with that f- literally a force field, her energy shot would have bounced right off that thing, no doubt. Uh, and as far as him leaving the door open to the Razor Crest, my, my seven-year-old son pointed out the same thing. That's why you always lock the doors. But... <laughs> you know, in their in, in their defense, they were on Tython, which, you know, as far as we know is abandoned. Right. Um there's sure. clearly nobody there. So why would he feel the need to shut the door in that case?
0: And I then Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, I was gonna
1: you. say, you know, we might as well uh, talk about the elephant in the room. Everybody wants to talk about this this jet pack, um and uh the fact that he didn't later Uh, call it, you know, I guess it's got, uh, remote control and can do those things. Um, you know, what I posted in in regard to that on Twitter, uh, there's a, there's a thing called the fog of war, uh, when you have a plan going into a conflict, um, but then when the crap hits the fan, uh, a lot of times that plan goes right out the window and let's face it, he's a bounty hunter. He's not a soldier. There is a distinct difference between a bounty hunter and the soldier. He's used to being on the offensive. He's used to being the predator, not the prey, um, and he could only think of one thing at that time, and that was the child. So, yes, you needed him to not get the jetpack in order for the story to work. Right? That's the that's the real reason that it had to happen that way for the plot to turn out the way it did. But you know, if you put yourself into his shoes, that's very realistic. That. He just wanted to run like a bat out of hells, you know, as fast as he could to Grogu and not even think about the jetpack. You know, I'm sure he kicked himself many times afterwards. Why didn't I get the jetpack? I could have made sure. it. Um, not to mention, uh, let's let's talk about these dark troopers, which were straight out of the EU. I mean, mm-hmm. perfectly done. So even if he did uh, get there uh, with his jetpack, I don't think he's winning against no. these four dark troopers. Not so four. either way, I think the, the end result would have been the same.
0: Now, Ro, I do have to ask you, is Cesar uh, Rodriguez is not, is he not one of the reporters you work with? Yes. He is. He's right. my, he's my, I do a validity check Mental on that. Check. But...
2: And actually he was in the uh, first ever uh, and hopefully not last ever Spanish scare of scuttlebutt podcast uh, back uh, a couple of uh, months ago. So yes, sir. Um, along with uh, Mr. Raul Mares of the Maras Report. And yes. uh, if you guys don't know who Raul Mares, check him out. Uh, his Twitter uh, handle, uh, his account is really cool. He offers tons of wonderful tidbits about uh, everything Star Wars, and uh, we learn a lot from him. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I guess a lot of the younger fans, and, and obviously you guys can tell uh, our age here, <laughs> but uh, it's really cool. To start to see, um, and not only new fans of Boba Fett, but, you know, folks are obviously asking about Ahsoka, about Mm -hmm. Bo-Katan. And it's really cool to see these, you know, and I probably say that the 11% of Star Wars fans that are watching The Mandalorian that don't know the history of these characters kind of go back and uh, re-explore. Uh, you know, why these characters are so important. I think that's great. It's uh, I've said it before. It's Mandalorian is like the Star
0: Wars gateway drug. Is it, is that an actual statistic row?
2: Um it's pretty close.
0: Yeah. It's pretty close. I, it's interesting, you know, my father uh who was the one that took me to see my first ever Star Wars film, the the original Star Wars film at a drive-in, uh and who kind of got me into this at the beginning had kind of, you know, gotten away from it over the years and uh Mandalorian has sucked him back in. He has now started watching. He's just finished up season 1. He's just watched episode 1 of season 2 and was texting me about that earlier tonight, but you know, to your point about the the knee rockets, I mean, the, the armor that Boba Fett wears, his leg armor really only consists of those knee, you know, the knee armor, and it's really easy to not focus on that. So I wouldn't blame anyone for not, not noticing that there is more to it than just Something to protect the kneecap. Um, all of his armor is focused up top, as opposed to like Dens, which has all the thigh and shin protection. So uh, you know, it's it's all these things that are in the dictionaries from the original trilogy, and uh, all these little details about the armor. If you if you look at his, I mean, I thought it was cool that he even had the chain coat and in, in, coated into the armor, uh, which I think went a long way toward showing. Uh, dim that that in fact it what it did belong to him and i think more importantly the thing that they established with that is the fact that now they are finally starting to after years and years and years of basically saying that Django and boba were really kind of not mandalorians they were not officially part of any of the the mandalorian casts and now they are bringing them back into that within canon which i think cleans a lot of things up um, very much in favor of that and I'll
1: be honest yep. with you, I, I'm one of the you know I completely forgot about the knee rockets. So uh, when when he, when he used those, it was kind of my uh, they fly now, they fly yeah. now. <laughs> um, you know that was my uh, Rise of Skywalker moment uh, on this one. Uh, so it took me and my sons by surprise uh, when he used those. It, it wasn't it was a nice surprise. I, I forgot he had those.
2: And speaking of uh, Rise of Skywalker, I mean, they're a little throwback too. when uh, Boba Fett uh, aimed for the two Stormtrooper shuttles. And, uh, you know, one of them uh, very reminiscent to what happened in Rise of Skywalker. I would love to have been a fly in the wall when uh, that meeting took place between Filoni, Favreau and Rodriguez. Um, I wonder who said, guys. I want to use all of Boba Fett's weapons, including right. those knee rockets. I would have loved to have seen that, and we definitely saw it from the uh, you know the wrist uh, rockets to the knee rockets and and his backpack rocket. I mean, it was all on display, and I loved it. And and a gaffy stick.
1: So yeah, I mean the way he used that was brutal. Now, as far as these transports go, is it or those those were very very close? Oh,
0: they to were first again.
1: order. They were uh, identical. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we, we keep talking about this, uh, and this is why I posted a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm you know reading the uh, the Rise of Skywalker uh, novelization, uh, which I pointed out I, I think is better than the movie. There's a lot more details, makes it make a lot more sense uh, than what we see in the movie. Um, but uh, you know, with, with it's it's becoming clear now that the Empire and the First Order are clearly not. Two distinct entities, um, you know. Even one is a it, it basically uh, Windows ninety five uh, versus uh, you know uh, Windows two thousand and whatever. Uh, there, it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, but you know, I would love if if uh, Allegiant General Pride was to be was to a younger version of him uh, was to be featured on the Mandalorian because he says he's been working his entire life uh, starting from the Empire. Uh, so if he were to be working with, uh, or if Marf Gideon was working for him, that would be amazing. But, uh, these transports were nearly identical to what we saw first scene of, uh, the force awakens.
0: It's like, I've seen a comment like that on Twitter, Brad. It's possible. I say a (laughs) few things on there, (laughs) but yeah, I, I don't think I ever, um, thought
2: that the empire was not at least, uh, some offshoot of the empire of the first order was some offshoot of the empire. I think it's, uh, you know, it'd be logical to assume that a force as, as big and mammoth as the empire, you know, just because the, the, the two leads were dead, uh, they just didn't disappear into nothing. So I, you know, I, I would assume that, uh, that they were still around and just, you know, just the first order was kind of a reorganization of, of the empire. And of course we see that happening, Um, I'm pretty excited to see how that reorganization takes place. I think, uh, in the next, uh, you know, if, uh, if the Mandalorian and, you know, possibly other shows besides the Mandalorian, as we kind of see the stage being set up for other offshoots of whatever it is that these people are planning for us. And again, you know, it's a great time to be a star Wars fan, um, because we're getting a lot of content. Uh, you know, streaming, obviously, the future of entertainment. Unfortunately, uh, movie theaters are, are, you know, slowly uh, slipping away because of our uh, current uh, world situation here. But uh, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, as long as you tell me a, a really great story that I can really enjoy and watch over and over again and kind of examine and talk to you uh, nerds about it, I'm in.
0: I'm happy to see that it looks like both Kenobi and the – Uh, Cassie and Andor series have both been set to begin filming. Uh, so it looks like Disney plus is going to be delivering on some of the other content that we were promised to star Wars fans very early on. I'm very hopeful that they, uh, space this out and I can't see why they wouldn't throughout the year to ensure that we've kind of got a rotation of content, uh, to keep us entertained. And if they, if they put the time and effort and the quality into it that they're doing with the Mandalorian, I think that we're in for very bright days ahead they're going to be able to scatter some movies in, but I think most people who are familiar with just how much uh, Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars enhanced what was there for the the prequel films. And granted, there were other issues with the prequel films, but to be able to kind of fill in some of those gaps and really flesh out the story and make you understand more of the motivations of those characters, uh, I think those types of shows are going to go a long way to Toward uh, increasing people's appreciation of the characters that we see in Rogue One. Uh, certainly, I think Obi-Wan Kenobi already has pretty much a cult following, as he should, um, and all of that being based off Sir Alec Guinness and his performance. But, uh, you know, it's there's a lot that they can do with these types of series and these serial adaptations of Star Wars to complement what they put out in the theaters uh, that I think it's going to make it easier for them to make films where they don't have to spend so much time explaining what's going on.
1: And just going back to uh, Boba's weaponry for one second, I thought one of the great moments in this one uh, was when he shot down the transports uh, and, you know, they said, nice shot. And he said, well, I was aiming for the other one. But if you actually watch when he locks in, he literally aimed for the, he literally locked on to the other one. So that was great attention to detail that he was going for the left one. And hit the right one so man, you know i think that jetpack still needs some uh repairs to I don't it
0: know. bob Vance seemed to have no problem nailing that speeder that was that was ripping right. away from him in episode one so I, and to the point of boba fett i do have to say this i have seen people uh talking about the fact that tamara morrison looked like he was wedged into that boba fett armor and uh, look, the dude is sixty years old uh, or close to, uh, rocking certainly a dad bod that most people would be happy to have at that point. Uh, and there was a the comment that Roe had brought up in the chat earlier that he looked very imposing in that Boba Fett armor, and I would completely agree with that. I think that uh, you know anybody is going to be happy to be where Tamara Morrison is. I thought his uh, his pronunciation of uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> was Pretty funny, sound like he came from the Florida panhandle, but uh, you know, I'll take it. He seemed to be uh, ruthless and in prime form and didn't seem to have any trouble taking out those stormtroopers, as we talked about earlier.
2: Absolutely, and speaking of dad bods, I just want to take a quick little pause to mention our sponsor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's that time. It's think that time. We planned time. ahead of time, but we not didn't.
2: at all. But uh, I think every dad bod probably needs this product. And uh, if uh, if you guys uh, would be so gracious to head on over to manscaped.com, use our promo code, and uh, I'm going to let uh, Brad say it because he loves saying it, and uh, you'll get twenty percent off. Um, actually. It's, it's really nice it comes in this really nice uh, carrying case it's got all sorts of really nice uh, attachments it comes with some lotion and uh, men you guys uh, will definitely uh, enjoy uh, cleaning yourself up with this
0: is that uh, or, called the balls wherever, pack?
2: wherever hair is found but um, while you guys talk I'm gonna go use it uh, <laughs> yeah so I was really worried when uh,
1: uh, yeah, when when Roe leaned down, that he was going to show us the, the finished product. We uh, th- this uh, show is not rated for that, but definitely go over to Manscape.com. Use our promo code Beachballs. I don't know why Ro thinks I love saying that so much, but uh, uh, you know nobody wants to play with dirty beach balls. So uh, if you're playing on the uh, the beaches of Scarif, make sure your beach balls are clean. And uh, well, don't whip them out on Scarif either. I'm pretty sure that's against Imperial <laughs> law. But anyway. Uh, whether you're buying for yourself or we are in the holiday season, uh, everybody's ordering online these days to get it delivered to you. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code BEACHBALLS, and you will be helping us out, and uh, you'll be getting something great for yourself. You'll get 20%
2: off. So go to manscaped.com.
0: And don't and, forget, uh, bro, I don't know if you've been nutty or nice. hey <laughs> oh,
2: Heyo, and thank you very much, Backyard Tardis. I know he uh, he purchased a set, and uh, they're actually really nice clippers. So wherever it is that you have hair, uh, I think it'll come in handy. We do not need to see the pictures afterwards. <laughs> we will. Yeah, I'm gonna close the DMs if you guys send me those. <laughs> uh, yeah, send them in a row. He appreciates those. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else is left. I mean, here we go. We're talking about uh, the uh, towards the end of this episode, the tragedy. And, you know, I I talked about what I thought the tragedy was. I know the tragedy, obviously, at the end, uh, Grogu gets uh, uh, captured by uh, Moth. Oh, let's talk about Boba Fett and how when he was chasing those uh, dark troopers, he sees the Imperial cruiser and he freaks. Yeah, I love that. What, are, what, do you, what do you guys think about that?
1: Well, it's kind of a weird moment because uh, that one was a little bit awkward for me because uh, the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, had already seen the cruiser uh, using his helmet. So it was kind of surprising that uh, you know he wouldn't give Boba a heads up. I guess Boba did kind of take off on him. Um, yeah. But uh, there's never been uh, especially uh, any sort of love between Boba Fett and the Empire. Um, you know, they paid him to do some jobs. Um, but if you go back to the old Lord, that's why, uh, Vader didn't even use his name. Uh, there's other reasons why Vader didn't use his name, but the, you know, the lore of that is he didn't really care for him too much. That's why he only called him bounty hunter and didn't use his name. Uh, so there's not any love. We, we saw the fight between him and the, the, the stormtroopers. Um, so, uh, I was a little surprised, but yeah, he was, uh, he was not too fond of seeing that cruiser up there.
2: I wonder sure. if, uh, I wonder if something will, will come into play with that. Um, obviously, you know, we've got, uh, we, do we think that, uh, Boba Fett knows, uh, not only that the empire had gone because, you know, he did survive the Starlight, obviously, but do, do we think that he knows that Vader's gone, that the emperor, that the emperor is gone?
0: Yeah, I I do have to say though there was a point made in the chat earlier about the Clone Wars reference. Uh, sorry, Star Wars Rebels references, and that cruiser was one of them, right? So it's an Architens, uh class light cruiser that was originally introduced within Star Wars Rebels. So it's not necessarily the case that uh, necessarily Din might be familiar with it. Um, Boba probably, uh, which is why he would identify that as a as a direct link back to the to the uh, empire. But yeah, uh, you know, there were some, there were some kind of subtle references to rebels and that was certainly one of them.
1: Yeah. What, what I get out of it? Um, if you, you know, with the aftermath books and all the media that's come out um, there's no way that Boba didn't know what went down uh, after he got, you know, eaten uh, nearly eaten by the Sarlacc. Um, so I think he was under the impression that it was just, you know, Imperial remnants, um, scattered here and there, um, not, uh, with, the uh, you know, with a Navy intact. So I think he was surprised at, uh, what, uh, you know, what ships, uh, they still had available to him. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, it'll be interesting to see him, him joining the crew, but, uh, those, uh, last scenes with Grogu on the, uh, cruiser, That was brutal. So it looks like uh, you know he he's uh, his force abilities. uh, The force has awakened uh, within Grogu um, because before he was just trying to get the ball, and now that to me that looks straight out of Force Unleashed uh, and what you could do the the many good ways you could torture a stormtrooper in Force Unleashed, and uh, that was that was straight dark side on that one. So to see him, I mean, he did uh, avoid killing them. Yeah. Um, but he beat the crap out of them at the same time. So it, know, it'll I,
2: be. I want to address uh, Mr. Rez's comment there. You know, uh, we talk about how, uh, you know, the child uh, wasn't. Uh, well, he was supposed to be trained by a Jedi. Ahsoka uh, said, I cannot train him, you know, take him uh, to uh, commune with the Jedi somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. Grogu gets captured. And um, we do notice that Gideon is kind of a, a little. A little too happy that he's uh, that Grogu is uh, torturing these stormtroopers. He even stopped another stormtrooper from stopping that action. So um, I don't think Mister Rez is uh, is off on this. I think uh, Gideon is making him uh, at least, you know, trying to see where um, where his not his loyalties lay, but you know, just kind of trying to egg him on to the dark side. And I think uh, that is going to be very interesting to to kind of explore and Brad, if you're right, if Palpatine did kind of uh, capture him in the prequel trilogy era, and uh, that's one of the reasons his mind goes blank as far as remembering anything, what kind of training did, did he receive and why did, uh, you know, why did he uh, suddenly go black? So uh, all interesting stuff. All so interesting I think things.
1: this, yeah, I think this might, and I was just kind of thinking about it while you were talking. Um, we already know they're interested in Grogu for his chlorian count. But perhaps, you know, this is, you know, all part of, uh, I think they called it Project Resurrection. Uh, I mean, uh, in the uh, Battlefront video games, that was, you know, that was more for the First Order. But uh, bringing Palpatine back, uh, perhaps for this to work for Palpatine, uh, this is kind of mixing science with mysticism here. So we have the science of it with the midichlorians. But, you know, maybe if he's more apt or more leaning towards the dark side, Perhaps that will make his uh, his blood uh, more uh, viable to use for a Palpatine clone. So maybe that's the reason why Gideon wants him to sway that way.
0: I'm interested in that concept, though, Brad, because you know, it for the P. I just finished the Aftermath trilogy, uh, my first time through that, and there's a lot of information, in there a lot of interesting things that I had not previously been exposed to. And certainly the whole concept of the contingency for Palpatine and the fact that he knew that, well, first and foremost, I have to say that the fact that he was able to identify a shatter point, which in, in old school, Star Wars was something that only Mace Windu uh, had that particular ability. It was a very rare ability, which would have kind of helped Palpatine uh, be able to foresee the future and be able to see, you know, these critical moments in time. So we end up with a situation here where we're 15 years away from the Battle of Jakku and and the First Order kind of going off into the unknowns. And certainly I would expect Palpatine to have multiple threads going to ensure his potential survival. Gideon could absolutely be tied up in that. And based on the cloning we've seen, I think that is probably even likely. Uh, But it looks like he's kind of hedging his bets with Grogu, right? If he can't figure out a way to clone of force sensitive, then his second best option would be to have grogu turn dark and for him to have some control over him at least in the short term. Um and I think that you're absolutely right. I do think that it was interesting one of the things he said to grogu though when he showed him the dark saber and uh grogu reaches out for it. It still makes me feel weird to say grogu. I always think that's a hot name. Uh, but when he reaches out for it and he goes, no, 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 little one, you know, that you can put an eye out with that thing, given Giancarlo Esposito and his character and his history of morbid and, uh, exciting deaths, I guess, uh, I'm thinking breaking bad specifically. I could see that kind of being foreshadowing of how he goes out potentially at the end of season two. Um, and I wonder if that Beskar, spear that Mando has, my assumption was always going to be that he was going to be the one that fights Gideon. Uh, But if it's Bo-Katan that potentially is going to end up using that to fight him to reclaim the dark saber, she'd almost have to, to actually earn the right to wield that as the ruler of Mandalore.
1: And just one more thought on, um, on aftermath Uh, for anybody that anybody that hasn't read that series um, in the interludes uh, there, uh, there's scenes, you know, we first see Jakku in The Force Awakens, but in that book, Palpatine is dealing with Jakku. Uh, this is during the Clone Wars time. Yeah. So going all the way back. So you want to talk about Mr. Contingency. He's, he's dealing with Jakku before, you know, you, you talk about those shatter points. He's dealing with Jakku before uh, even Order 66 goes down and the rise of the Empire and everything else. Uh, And, you know, I think Favreau and Filoni are well aware of everything that's contained in the Aftermath series. Of course, they have the whole Lucasfilm group uh, working with them on that. Um, So, yeah, he's been working on these contingencies uh, for 60 years now, uh, at least uh, actually more than that now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think these I think you're right, Rob. I think this is all part of Palpatine's contingency plans.
0: Master of the long game for sure.
2: Absolutely. Very exciting stuff, man. so we are uh two episodes away from the season finale it's going to be a hell of a ride we know i guess a little bit uh that uh, they're about to break out uh bill burr's character uh to help them on this uh mission to go and save the little one um and how about that empire having these small uh handcuffs for small beings i i thought that was tragic in itself
0: they clearly knew who they were going after <laughs>
2: And uh, I, I said that, you know, the Empire uh, is obviously known for subjugating species of all sizes, so it would make sense that they have baby handcuffs. Again, I can't even say it with a straight face. It's so tragic.
1: Yeah, well, they, they've had the child before, so I, right. I think they just, you know, got him back out of the closet again to throw them on him. So, so we, uh, uh,
2: any... Ready to give any, us some uh, skillet that's right. Uh, you know, we, even last week, uh, Brad, you and I, we were talking about how each episode gets uh, better and better. We're going to have to borrow some scuttle cheeks from our scuttle we buddies. We brought a couple more. Yeah, we, uh, we brought, definitely brought a couple more uh, scuttle cheeks that uh, I think will cover us uh, this time around. So thank you, Rob.
0: hmm
1: <laughs> So, Rob, what, what is your rating? Zero to four scuttle cheeks. How many are you giving Chapter 14, The Tragedy?
0: I would have to give it a three and a half. Scuttle cheeks. I I uh, I'd keep it a little short of a four. Uh, I wish it was a little bit longer, and that they had uh, taken a little bit more time to develop it. It happened really quick, um, and I really wish that the uh, the writing around the stone was decipherable. I know that we've been able to decipher the chain code of Boba Fett. Um, I'm always a fan of deciphering anything Orabesh, so uh, there wasn't enough Orabesh in this episode for my for my liking. Was, but, it
2: Ar- yeah. was it or was it on the stone? No, or-
0: no, it's more of an ancient Sith rune uh, that they've used in in previous episodes. Um, so no, it's not Arvish. It's not something I can read. But
2: so that it, in, in itself is interesting, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be ancient. So you know, Titan, Titan is one of those things. One of those planets that has a lot of backstory within star wars legends especially certainly within some of the older uh video games uh potentially a site of the first jedi temple um and they kind of gloss over that a little bit within the mandalorian they don't really go into it so to me that's that's almost a little bit of of a a pity but i understand why they have to do that Uh, honestly i've got to say i thought with season two i know that season one i'm going to go on a little kind of side diatribe here but i know in season one they spent a lot of their budget developing the technology for the volume and i absolutely think that's brilliant um certainly star wars historically has had their share of issues with filming and getting the proper conditions original trilogy is full of stories um be it you know uh, dust storms in the tunisian desert or the the issues that they had up in norway uh, when they were trying to film uh, Empire Strikes Back. But they have always dealt with issues on filming locations, and this gives them the ability to avoid a lot of those issues. I thought that season two, with that technology in place, we might get longer episodes, but I also understand that they're spending a lot of, of their budget on some of the special effects. Dark Troopers, absolutely. Um, as well as a lot of the, you know, the even when Grogu is sitting on the Seeing Stone. Um, you know, the, the special effects that go into creating a scene like that and having it stand up for that long, a period of time, it's significant. So I totally understand that, but you know, there are a couple of things I I would like to see them clean up. I would like to be a little bit more realistic in terms of uh din buttoning up his ship once in a while. (laughs) I don't think we ever see the Falcon left wide open like that. Um, (laughs) but that's nitpicking, um, it's still incredibly entertaining. I love what they're doing with season two. I cannot wait to see how they're going to wrap up the season. I think we know these last two episodes are going to uh, take it to 11 and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it.
1: So I'm going to probably going to echo your rating there, Rob. We had the empire. We had Boba. We had the force being used uh, in a way that we haven't really seen on screen uh, reaching out to the universe uh and uh we had stormtroopers using mortars I-, I think for the first time i, I don't recall ever seeing a stormtrooper using a mortar uh, that actually
2: that they- actually threw me out uh out of the episode a little bit because it was really too, uh yeah it was too real world um, to too, too us yeah yeah but uh, but, I-, I, cool. uh I think
1: yeah, I think that was erased by, and I'm going to, I think we, we haven't mentioned it, the Indiana Jones reference uh, with the use of the boulder uh, going down the hill and taking out those stormtroopers. I like that he tried to mow it down um, with the e web, but uh, not too successfully. Um, but uh, the, I think their only fault here on this one is not giving us more of that, uh, no matter how fanboy that sounds. So, uh, you know, if. 10 more minutes, uh, I would have taken. So uh, I'm gonna echo Rob's uh, vote and give it uh, three and a half scuttle cheeks. Ro?
2: Yeah, um, you know, this episode was great. It had a lot of uh, tidbits of information, uh, a lot to absorb. And like you said earlier in the episode, there were, there was not a lot of, uh, you know, fat, uh, on this, on this bone here, um, uh, th- you know, 33 minutes of solid storytelling, you know, for all the reasons that you guys said, you know, the empire stormtroopers, Boba Fett, uh, you know, force use, uh, they got back to the story right away. Um, and again, I don't like to use the word filler because each one, each story really has, uh, some sort of contribution to the overall here, but, uh. Um, I might have to just go with uh, three and a half scuttle cheeks as well. Uh, I I did th- kind of Agree a little bit regarding the fan film uh, concept um, Not again, not that it was bad, but I can really tell uh, The difference when it comes to uh, budgetary constraints. Uh, it seems like they um, You know, I, I just it seemed a, a little I'm gonna say this It's low-key, but it's not really low-key, but uh, you know, it, it just there was something about it That was a little on the um, Less than blockbuster uh, budget, uh, you know look um, But I understand why I understand, you know, it's a TV show and they have to do they've got uh, timing issues you got uh, the gene guy from uh, uh, the, the last few episodes ago um there's another item that they're gonna have to erase if you guys uh, pay attention to social media people are uh you know playing this episode frame by frame there is a helicopter or an airplane in the background in the sky of one of the shots of Boba Fett as he comes walking towards the camera. Well, stop doing uh, that!
1: Stop yeah. playing it frame by frame. <laughs> Just enjoy the damn show. That's the. I still haven't seen this dude's arm. I've watched that thing like four times now. Oh, course, by the it's way, it's been removed. It it's, it's gone. We fixed yeah, it, Brad. We're, it's we're, gone. You
0: can't it, find yeah. it now.
1: Is it already? holy crap yeah. okay well i don't i don't feel so bad now but people yeah. need to stop breaking it down frame by frame and just enjoy the damn show
0: by the way oh, go we watch do and we definitely do that I, I guarantee you they've removed the airplane or the helicopter or whatever sure. here.
2: yeah but uh yeah again just very enjoyable it was a great uh, episode i can't uh, you know i'm looking forward to the next uh, two episodes the season uh, finale and uh yeah three and a half scuttle cheeks. Yeah, looking forward to uh, the uh,
1: end of this season, the the last two. Uh, maybe uh, the next episode might be down. If if they actually have to break out um, Mayfeld, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to see that that show again that they had from season one uh, where they were mm-hmm. on the uh, prison ship. I, I don't want that again. Hopefully, you know, time passage is a little weird on this show. I think mm-hmm. more time passes than we realize, you know, he leaves Navarro, and then suddenly they're in charge of the whole thing. Then he leaves Navarro again, and suddenly she's joined the Republic, the New Republic. Uh, so time passage is a little strange on this show, a little funny. Um, so hopefully maybe they can just skip that part and kind of allude to how they got Mayfeld out. Uh, I would really prefer it to be a, a, a two-part uh, uh, finale to this season.
0: Amen. I mean, Absolutely. thank the Force. Thank the Force
2: absolutely so uh, in closing i just want to say thank you guys for joining us in the chat uh everybody that stuck around and uh rob thank you very much for joining us online here uh thank you for having
0: me last minute i appreciate that i know it was uh, a twitter anomaly in some regards but uh i didn't have any blue moon i'm sorry i'll send you i'll send you a case and We'll call it good.
2: And I want to remind everybody, we have our 50th episode coming up, and I had asked our friends to add to the show and share your favorite fan convention moment, Dragon Con, C2E2, whatever other con uh, is out there, Star Wars Celebration. And because COVID-19 has kind of robbed us of getting together physically, we wanted to share your memories and talk about what makes those events so special uh, I had an interview and I spoke with our friend Mark Newbold, Star Wars Celebration stage MC and contributor on a various uh, various online publications like Fanthatracks and more. So don't miss our 50th episode coming in mid-December here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Brad, the big five zero, you ever thought we'd be enjoying this wild podcasting ride?
1: No, I thought we'd get uh, maybe four or five and uh, get bored with it or realize nobody's <laughs> listening to us. But uh, I, I love that uh, idea for a 50th episode. I know Star Wars Celebration Orlando, uh, it's the only one I've been able to get to. But uh, I was able to take all of my kids to that and uh, one of the you know greatest moments that we've had together. So I'm looking forward to that. And one of those episodes that we've had within these 50 episodes uh, was our discussion back in May on the rule of two. I want to invite some people to check out some of our, I'll call them classic episodes. Uh, check out episode 27, The Rule of Two. Uh, we had a really great discussion on uh, how it came to be, uh, how it was executed. Uh, did the sequel trilogy kind of uh, kill it? Uh, you know, was it even useful? So uh, check out episode 27, The Rule of Two. Uh, and then give us your thoughts on Twitter about that episode or send us an email, Uh Rose got the phone number. If you want to leave us a voicemail, uh, let us know what you think about that episode, episode 27, The Rule of Two, and we will definitely give you a shout out on a future episode of the Scarif Scuttlebutt.
2: Definitely. The direct messages are open. If you want to leave a voicemail, it's 773 234 8659, the Scarif Hotline. Uh, I just also want to remind uh, you guys that are listening Coruscant Radio Underground just dropped. Their latest discussion on episode 13 uh, where yours truly was was on there talking to Andrew and Marisha and uh, The folks over at course radio. They just dropped it today. I uh, just want to remind you guys to kind of uh, check that out um, You know all of us here part of the red five network uh, Follow red five network the number five on Twitter and go check out the website uh rob uh jedi temple archives is on there as well as radio coruscant radio underground and a slew of other wonderful podcasts that you guys uh hopefully will enjoy and find uh check that out uh, we have a lot of fun uh you know obviously creating content for everybody all our listeners all our red five families so uh hopefully you guys do that may the force be with you and uh oh, brad right. before you wrap it
0: before you wrap it i do have there to point go. out that that red five network is very inclusive as well so uh we have the repre- the representation of both the empire the re- the uh rebellion and the bounty hunters through rose mando hat uh so that's very uh, indicative of what red five is all about i do have to congratulate you guys on 50 episodes of scarif podcast uh definitely a huge uh, Boon to the Star Wars community out there, the fact that you guys always take interesting takes on topics that are out there uh, that maybe other podcasts have not even explored. So, always enjoyable to listen to you guys do your shows. Uh, very thankful the fact that we have all connected, and uh, certainly as you pointed out, the Red Five Network is a, a great group of podcasts. So, really looking forward to seeing what. 2021 holds for everybody hopefully we get back to a little bit more normalcy
2: but uh before i hand it over to brad uh rob what uh what do you got coming up on uh jedi temple archives and where can you be found
0: yeah you can find us over on jta.com uh and any podcatcher that you may happen to use you can reach out to us via email at jtapodcast.gmail.com uh we have a phone number that is uh linked to my twitter handle so you can go find that there and uh, our final episode of 2020 we are going to revisit the star wars holiday special uh tom and i had done a show last year and had gotten a response from a gentleman named gordon Smolder who is the creator of a YouTube channel and I believe they're on Amazon Prime as well, known as Transylvania Television. He is a big fan of the Star Wars Holiday Special. He does this kind of twisted adult version of the muppets which is incredibly entertaining Um, i will throw a link to that out on our twitter feed Uh, and gordon is going to be joining tom and i this year to talk a little bit more about his take on the star wars holiday special and what is so wonderful about that and uh, i think for anyone who has yeah i'll go on a limb i'll say suffered through the star wars holiday special because it was early on in the star wars mythos and george kind of gave it the thumbs up without really knowing what he was doing uh we do get our first introduction to boba fett that ammon phase pulse blaster that we have seen made so famous uh in the mandalorian i think there's a question about whether boba may have taken that and started on his ship uh so maybe mando did not lose that in the destruction of the razor crest and uh you know just gonna be uh looking forward to seeing how someone who is a big fan of that special uh looks at it And hopefully it introduces some people who've never had a chance to look at it uh, to a piece of very uh, controversial but twisted Star Wars lore. Well,
1: uh, years ago, Dave Filoni uh, pretty much broke the internet when he wore a t-shirt that said Ahsoka Lives. And imagine we've had the worst year in uh, recorded history or recent history Uh, If in a couple weeks, Dave Filoni wears a t-shirt that says Mara Jade lives and breaks the internet and who hears the child's call but Mara Jade, and maybe, maybe there's a reason why Luke Skywalker is so angry in The Last Jedi, because somewhere along the way he lost Mara Jade, and then maybe we'll actually like The Last Jedi, and all will be right with the world, because... In fact, Mara J does live in Filoni and Favreau. Bring her back, and that would be amazing. But it is not always sunny on Tython, but it is always sunny on Scarif. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the scuttlebutt.
0: Damn you, Brad.